Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 69. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how uh, you can stop letting Instagram tell you what you want. Hey, and I'm Todd. It's good to be here with you today. And I'm going to talk about how we see trying to find contentment in things. The guy named Solomon who had it all realized it wasn't there and what we can see for ourselves. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to episode 69 of Tangible Takeaways. Pastor Todd, thanks for taking the time. Hey, really glad to be here with you today, Jackson. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, This has got to feel like a big milestone. Finished off the Philippians series this last weekend. Uh, We've got a response service ahead of us, but teaching-wise, series over. Um, that's a big series. That was like eight weeks. Yeah. Um, does that feel like a, you know, kind of cool fall launch? Yeah, it does. I, I love, you know, that's a thing that I just saw modeled here 20 years ago was putting a lot of great emphasis on timing in the year and fall launches were always a big deal. And that was just fun, fun to give it energy, a lot of stuff that Calm did that really added to that. Um, that I felt like it was a really great full court press and that we really got to, because I am I just love the idea of things being thick. Yeah. I feel like these last eight weeks have been very thick around the concept of cultivating joy in our lives. Yeah, I know even across here on our YouTube channel, across the Daily Devos and Tangible Takeaways content, there's just been so much that's been really beneficial coming through um, the book of Philippians and such timely things too that yeah. have been really, um, it's been really cool to see the different seasons that other people are going through, um, dealing with loss or grief or just really hard circumstances, but even just to see in your own life too, the way that um, Philippians just speaks in a fresh way after putting that kind of time and investment into it. Would you say, I mean, you came in knowing, you know, like we're going to go through Philippians at the beginning of the series. Would you say though, there, there was new stuff or something that kind of caught you in a fresh way this series? Yeah, I feel like my appreciation for the book, we said it week one, but I think I never really saw it like I did throughout. And that was the idea that Paul loves this group of people. Mm. There's, there's things he's writing to correct and he's instructing, but you can tell, like we said early on, it's like one giant thank you letter. Yeah. Thank you note, just saying, hey, I appreciate you, affirming you. Thanks for your partnership in the gospel, all these things. And I just think I saw that anew. And I just thought, man, Paul loved these people and mm. loved seeing how the gospel took root there, loved how they were continuing to follow the Lord. Yeah. Very, um, you know, obviously Paul always loves the people he's writing to, but very rare to see Paul not write in a super corrective tone mm. outside of this and like Ephesians, you yeah. know, which we generally herald Ephesians is like the church that Paul just loves and he loves what's going on there. Um, but a lot of those very similar tones to the church in Philippi as well, that he's mm. very encouraged by them, you know, yeah. so um kind of an interesting um, section to preach at the end of the series. End of epistles are weird, um, just in general. They tend to get super personal. You know, Mm -hmm. Brian and I talked about that at the beginning of last week. There's this really personal, like, hey, you two get along. And it's like, what do we do with that, man, in Scripture? Like, how do we, how do we yeah, deal man, with that stuff? If your parents have named you one of those names, yeah. Eudike and Syntyche or something yeah. like that, Eudius, then you're just like, 
Every time you read that, well, I guess that's me. Yeah, I, like, I guess I got to get along with, you know, I got to go, 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 <laughs> go find a syntyche to get along with. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, this in section is super weird because it's, it's Paul's thank you. It's Paul's, you know, thank you for um, caring for me. Thank you for um, sending the gift that you sent while I was in prison, um, which is, easy maybe if we were reading it devotionally for us to kind of brush past as like oh cool that has nothing really to do with me but paul's just giving a great thank you um but i think there is something there in the way that we see modeled in the new testament the way that christians and churches were taking care of each other um when there was such a need too, right? Because one city would basically just go up in flames and persecution, and then the other churches in the area would help. Yeah. And so um, seeing that kind of modeled, does that leave us with any sort of kind of action step or place for growth today where we kind of hub up in our denominations or whatever, and we can kind of become a little bit tuned out to the cares of the world or persecution happening here, or ways that we can step in and be helpful? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think it keeps coming back to this whole concept of stewardship, right? Like if I keep realizing that what's mine isn't mine and that God's entrusted things, not just even to me, to my family, but to literally our church, then I think we have to keep this posture of, God, what do you want to do with your stuff? Yeah. That, that, that's, the, that's the question at the end of the day. So if we're asking those questions, then I think what's really kind of fun, we've seen this, some of our people, you know, in a season at HDC went through Financial Peace University. And a big part of that was budget and and use your resources wisely so you can give lavishly and, yeah. and just with excess and in a really extravagant way. And there's joy in that. There yeah. really is. It's really fun to meet needs in a, a way that, that just really encourages someone and literally is the way that's going to get handled. So I just feel like if we as a people, as a, as a church body, just keep asking the question, God, what do you want to do with your stuff here locally, around the world, church planning, whatever it is. And that's what I love about the GoFund Kingdom yeah. thing is it's so thoughtful about how can we be generous, cultivating the heart of God and really have this great opportunity to encourage people, meet needs, do things are very project oriented. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I think that's what's kind of cool about the way that different series so far have, have dovetailed into mm. each other, right? We had enjoyable from our on brand series, kick into this series on, on joy. joy. And then now we've got this end of this thing where Paul's saying, Hey, thank you for meeting my needs. I didn't, uh, I knew God was going to take care of me. And um, I'm, I'm thankful that you were responsive to that, yeah. right? He's, he's not saying, like, I would have been toast without you mm. because he knows God was going to take care of him. But at the same time, it's, hey, thank you for responding to God, placing that on, on your hearts as a community and responding in that way. And so I think um, as we now head into this GoFund Kingdom series and talking about it, but also not just talking about it, living it, we get to identify who are the, who are the Pauls in our life, right? Mm. Who are the believers that are, some of them that there's projects for, they're in a tough spot. Like they're just very similar to Paul, tough spot. Others of them, it's like, man, we have a vision. We have a dream to go do something crazy, to bless our community, to advance ministry where we're at in the context that we're at. And it's like, how cool that as a church now, we're going to get to see 
man, what God did through the Philippian church to Paul, we're going to get to take that on and now go and do that for uh, other believers locally across the world. Um, Just a really cool thing uh, to think about. So I'm excited for that too. I think it's going to be a beneficial series. Yeah, me too. And I think it just keeps coming back to God, what are the barriers that really are self-inflicted? They're, they're really not because there's not enough. Yeah. But self-inflicted barriers to really getting to demonstrate the heart of God and by being generous to others. So I'm excited as we get to unearth those, we'll look at another church, the church at Corinth, and just kind of see some of the things that they were just not processing well yet or, or just really were had a low faith for how yeah. God was going to take care of their own needs. Yeah, Corinth is the perfect opposite to the <laughs> uh, Philippian and Ephesian churches. Yeah. Paul's not super happy with what's going on over there uh, when he writes them. Um, Paul says this just powerful statement here that, you know, you mentioned in your message, we turn into bumper stickers and we put into, you know, lots of context that has no business being because it's not what it's about. Um, But he talks about having learned the secret of contentment because he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And um, man, I think it's funny how punchy both of those are separately, right? Mm. Like you separate the two ideas. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Obviously we just think about like, I'm going to go push a boulder up a mountain (laughs) or like, we just think about the craziest stuff we could. But then this other one, you know, you might think culturally we have no interest in contentment, but I think we crave contentment. Like that's why we buy the stuff that we buy because we we buy the lie that it's going to give us contentment and that this will be the last thing I buy because I'll be set after this. So that is such a compelling idea, the secret of contentment. Um, And what's interesting is they actually, they have to go together. Those two, that's why he wrote them together, but they have to go together um, because the secret of contentment is this strength of Christ. Um, So how do we better embrace Um, like what can we learn from Paul's example? Because I think it is so compelling. And how do we better embrace the strength of Christ so that we might live content? Yeah. I think there are people who, this sounds weird, so let me say the whole thing. They've they've at least sought a way to be content that has no Jesus connected to it. It is self-help. It is um, even other religions that might teach methods of how to you know, uh, minimize in your life and declutter and, and just live on very little and be very content with that. And, and realize that there is uh, the majority of the world that is not Southern California, that many people are content with what we would call incredibly little. Yeah. And so we got to kind of get into the shoes. What's Paul talking about? Because he is saying the reason I'm content, why, how I've learned this is over a lifetime of experiences all demonstrating the sustaining resources of Jesus, who has given me strength and provided for my needs. And um, and so I think that's really important because we have to keep reminding ourselves if we're looking, well, it's kind of like how we started the series. If I'm looking for joy, stop looking in all the wrong places. Yeah. Stop playing hide and seek with happiness. And that joy is found in the person of Christ. If I'm looking for long-term sustainable contentment in this life, it's rooted in Christ. So go to him, go to the source. Yeah. And I think that's what that's why those two welded together are so powerful. And that's why it's so powerful to get the context of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We'll do all what things. Yeah, I've learned the secret, whether with much or with little, 
I can be content because it's almost like there's this whole other category of where contentment, I'm finding it. It's in the person of Christ and he doesn't change day in, day out. Yeah. Like my circumstances do. Yeah. So I just think that's the bedrock of the whole issue. Keep going back to Christ, find my joy in him, find my contentment in who he is. Because contentment, like joy, is so circumstantial. For most know, of us, right? Yeah. Like it's not, and I think that's even, that's what's so interesting about consumerism is we really vilify consumerism, um, which is funny because we're all consumers and you ask any marketing agency, they're targeting you as a consumer. So whether you think you're a consumer or not, you're a consumer. <laughs> um, but the heart of consumerism is not, I think, generally as like greedy as we assume it to be. Um, but it really is, I think so many times this, man, I, I feel this discontentment. I have these needs. I have these wants. So let me just go chop them all down. If I take care of all of the needs and all of the wants, then I'll be content. But the tricky thing that keeps happening is new needs and new wants arise. And so there's this, man, I, I mowed the field. And all the, you know, I'm set. All of my wants and needs are taken care of. Well, man, even if you never wanted anything ever again, new needs are going to pop up. Sure. You just can't, you can't keep those needs away. N nobody with all the money in the world can prevent need, right? Yeah. Like that just is, that's just a part of being a human being because we're not in control. You're going to find yourself in need of something. And so need is not going to go away permanently. But then, man, in all of the different advertising that's oriented towards discontentment, creating discontentment in us, well, now all my wants pop back up again. Yeah. So I find myself, like this isn't even just like a critical eye on someone else. I find myself trying to take care of all the needs and wants at once and being like, okay, I'm going to be good. I'm good. Give it a month and I've got new needs and new wants and I have this itching desire to take care of all of them again so that I'll be okay. But that's me trying to control my contentment. I'm trying to offer myself contentment instead of saying what it seems like Paul's saying here that's such a powerful and very different way for us to think is, God, you are the one who supplies my needs and wants. That's why his thank you is so weird, right? Like when I read his thank you on first blush, I'm like, it's kind of a rude thank you. Like it's like, thanks for the gift. I didn't need it. I didn't need it. Right. But he's not saying he didn't need it. He needed something. He Ooh. had no food, no blankets. He was up a crick, but he also knew God was going to take care of him. If it was going to be a Roman soldier who had just been converted right there in the jail cell, or if it was going to be a church that he's planted or whatever, right? God was going to take care of him. I mean, we even see like angels intervene with Paul in prison. God's going to take care of Paul. He's convinced of that. It's just a matter of through whom. And, uh, that's a whole different way from when I'm just mowing the field all the time, trying to take care of my needs and wants, instead of saying, man, God, I entrust myself to you that my needs will be taken care of. And I'm not going to get so consumed and so bent out of shape over taking care of them myself, but I trust you to provide for me. Yeah, I think the biggest problem is, you know, what is the opposite of the consumer driven life is the ascetic. I don't need anything, you know, descale. That's why I said you don't need Christ to be an ascetic. Yeah. But the wild thing is, here's what it keeps coming back to. I, I'm either putting, it's always the emphasis is on something to be the source of my contentment. So either the source of my contentment is things 
potentially even people or circumstances or memories, fill in the blank, they're not built to do that. They're built to be useful. That's why the ascetic mind, I don't think, really reflects the bounty of just God's character and blessing. He gave us things and resources to use. They're not evil. It's what we put on them that becomes the problem. And the ascetic goes to the other extreme. I can't handle... And, and I see as a distraction all these things, so I'm not going to put have any of those around me. Mm. But then you got to wonder. I've not been an ascetic, so I'm going to now guess a little bit. But the ascetic, especially apart from Christ, there were Christian ascetics. But the ascetic apart from Christ at some point is like, well, now that I've purged myself from all those things, maybe I've kind of gone too far because those things could be enjoyed if I could just stop imposing my need for contentment out of them. Yeah. It's kind of the stuff of Ecclesiastes, right? I mean, Solomon, the guy who probably more than anyone who's ever lived, has been there and done that, and yeah. he records it in the first two or three chapters. And he goes, literally, I pursued all-out, flat-out contentment in everything but God. He gives all these great illustrations, and he's like, it was never there. It's yeah. chasing after the wind. Yeah. And that's what I think is so beautiful about that book is if someone like had the resources of Solomon and made the, that contentment you know, quest yeah. and still came up empty, I'm never going to have those opportunities he had. But that pretty well spells out for me. That's not going to be found in what I can derive either. Yeah. So I think that's our problem is we don't have a healthy understanding a relationship with God's provision mm. because we flip it into, well, you've got to do, it's got to do something for me yeah. that just like everything else can only be from the, the life of Christ that provides that. Yeah. I like what you're saying. It's that, okay, here's, I'm entrusting myself that God's going to take care of my needs, but that too will not in itself be the secret of contentment. We've got um, plenty of people that their whole prayer life is just firing up a flare of, dear God, please save me from this. Please help me take care of this, which is great. That's a part of our prayer life. But some people, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. That's all they've got. But that is this, God, I'm trusting you to take care of the needs in my life or whatever. Um, But that's not alone going to bring contentment, just having our needs met, because I'm meeting my own needs with Mm. the stuff that God's given me, and I'm still not content. So just because he's the one meeting my needs now still does not equal contentment, but it's the context in which he meets our needs, which is relationship, because ultimately the only thing that will ever satisfy us, that will ever quench us, is relationship with God, because he is he is what we were made for. He's the perfect piece to our puzzle piece. Mm. He is the the unknowable one who is so near and so knowable. And it's it's that beautiful, I can never fully understand you, but there and there's always more for me to get, which yeah. continues just the satisfaction and the creativity and the inspiration. Um, and it makes him so worth knowing. Uh, but at the same time, you're so near, you're so known, you know me so well. It's in that context, that intimacy of relationship, that's where contentment is. Because even though Paul trusts God to meet his needs because he trusts his good character, at the end of the day, Paul's needs couldn't have been met. He w- could have died of starvation in that jail cell, and he would have still been content. Yeah. Because for Paul, the answer is, you can take everything away from me. 
you just can't take away God. Yeah. You can't you can't strip him from me. Even his own spirit indwells me. You couldn't separate him from the flesh or the bone of my body. That's how close we are. Yeah. And that's where the that's the context of contentment. Yeah, and I just think it's such a it's such a cool thing to go. God, I want to keep growing in my valuing of the person of Christ for everything about my life, my my um, just sense of purpose, my sense of mission, but my sense of understanding what love really is, my sense of understanding what truth really is, my sense of understanding I really will never be fully content this side of heaven. And what am I most excited about in heaven is Jesus, who's made himself knowable now. So I'm going to soak that in and go after that and knowing that that will be fully realized on the other side of this life. So I I just think it's this wonderful thing of going, God, in the book of Philippians, we see this really to both joy and contentment. If If no one can take you away from me, then that should be the source of these things that matter to me most rather than, well, maybe it's over here, maybe it's over there. No, no, no. It's in the person of Christ and everything else can kind of spread away against from that. But that's the nugget. That's the essential. Yeah. We can't get away from that. So what would you say? Tangible takeaways. We're here looking for some practical application from this weekend. And I think this will only be the beginning because we're launching into this generosity series. But how do I better begin to lean into that practice of contentment. Yeah. How do I get there? I wonder if one of the things, like I loved our post-it notes for the joy, you know, that, you know, my particular pack I took was I won't let blank steal my joy. And that's just been so good for me to be again reminded because my joy is rooted in Christ. No one yeah. can take him away from me. And um, I wonder if the same thing related to contentment is when I'm sensing this will fulfill mm. and it's anything other than Christ. Because because the problem is we do this with relationships all the time. God's built us for community. That's great. But when I start imposing my need for contentment on my spouse, on my kids, on my friends, my small group, fill in the blank, they can't do that. Yeah. They can't. They don't have that to offer. So it's like on everything that I'm beginning to look for contentment, apart from the person of Christ, maybe just that look in the mirror thing and go, wait a second. That's not going to be it. Yeah. That's not going to provide that. That's yeah. not going to be sustainable. And so just kind of just checking myself consistently and, and even sometimes smiling to myself. You know, I'll see an ad and go, oh, man, that'd be so great. Or I'd love to go there or whatever. And then go, no, but that's not it. Mm-hmm. That, that all might be fine and well, but contentment isn't at the end of that journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great um, pattern to begin to develop is catching the lie. Catching the lie in advertising, man, Instagram's got me pegged so good. Like they, their ads are just spot on. Like it's my vibe. It's my aesthetic. It's what I want. They're telling, I'm at the point now that social media is telling me what I want. Yeah. Right? Like I don't even know what I want. We know you better than and you I'm know just yourself. like, what does Instagram think I want? Cause that's what I want. And, um, it does such a good job of stirring up discontentment in me. And so finding a way to practice. And I do think there's a legitimate thing to say like, man, I have kind of spiraled out of control in this area. Um, and I did this recently. I just went off of Instagram for like nine months. Like I just, I can't like the, the incessantness of the ads I'm losing time and time again. So I just need a break. And now I'm back with a little bit of a healthier mindset towards it, I think. But, um, man, that is a challenge. Um, 
a big challenge for us to then as you're bombarded with that, I mean, in one session of scrolling on social media, you'll probably today see 15 to 20 ads. That's a lot of ad space um, that you're consuming on a regular basis, and that's just in one sitting. And they've got you dialed on an algorithm, so you're just generating this discontentment. But getting in the practice of calling out the lie to say, if I had that thing, because the whole point of an ad is to say, if you had this thing and make your life better. You'd never want again if you had these sweatpants. You'd never want again if you had these shoes, whatever it is. And it's like, that's just not true. And so it's pretty, once you begin to find the pattern that they're using, it's actually pretty easy to call out the lie and say, I've gotten new shoes and I just wanted more shoes. <laughs> that doesn't mean those aren't cool shoes or yeah. maybe that I shouldn't even buy them. Sure. But that just means not I'm, gonna not gonna, I'm not going to buy them because it's going to change my life. Right. And we should be the most like proofed in this way because we understand that Jesus is it. He's the only option that's going to fix my life. Right. Like that's kind of a fundamental belief that we have. Yet we keep buying the lie in ads that like, well, if I had these super cool shirts that they fit you perfectly, they make you look good. It changed my life. I'd never want a shirt again. Right. It's like that's not that's just not true. So getting in that pattern of calling out the lie. And one thing that I'm going to do in the new year, it's one of my new year's resolutions. It's not for the sake of, you know, just saying owning things are bad, but almost to challenge myself. One of the things I'm committing to in the new year is to not buy anything for myself. I thought this would be a really good challenge to like really get at that root in me that feels I so want to numb myself out with stuff. I want to own stuff, own stuff, own stuff. And I think it keeps me from maybe some stuff that's laying underneath the surface. So I'm hoping to excavate some of that this year by committing to not buying stuff for myself in 2023, which who knows, that's going to be tough. But um, I think practically that's one of the things with the new year coming up, good time to dedicate to some big stuff. That's one of the big things that I'm committing to for 2023 is, hey, I don't want to buy anything for myself. No toys, no clothes, none of those kinds of things. I'm, I've got enough, right? So my contentment isn't going to be found in 2023. I'm making it not an option to be found in stuff. So I'm almost secretly, I'm de- deceiving myself. I'm forcing myself to find it in Christ. Sure. Otherwise, I'm just going to be banging my head against a wall, <laughs> very discontented in 2023. That's great. And so I'll be sure, by the way, too, to get you some lists of some of the things I yes. would like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are going to be buying like, things for other people. If there's freed up money somewhere, <laughs> could let me know. No, it's great thoughts. I love that. And and I do. I, I think this is then the problem. When I have given myself over to consumerism, I can say I don't have enough left over because I every last place that didn't go to a, a rent or a utility bill or something like that's going to my to feed this need for contentment. The beauty is if I will pull away from that, watch, pay attention to the lies, and then realize there's great joy in getting to meet needs for other people. Yeah. And it's that generosity thing. I just don't know that we even know how thrilling it is to demonstrate the heart of God to other people because we just haven't practiced it much because we have all these reasons why we don't think we can. Yeah. But it's taking away the layers of all the barricades to that and going, I've stripped it down. My contentment isn't in stuff or places or whatever. 
But now I actually, and I'm, and I'm being wise, like Paul's going to tell the church at Corinth, set stuff aside. Don't, yeah. don't wait till I just show up and what do we, you know, pull out of our pockets yeah, yeah. today. Be setting, See if it's a good day or a bad yeah, day. Yeah, be setting stuff aside so you'll have something to give. And then be so excited that God gets to use the stuff he's entrusted to you to help other people. Mm. And I just, I think there's a thrill of generosity that we just haven't tapped into enough. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and uh, we're real excited for this upcoming series. We hope that it's going to be a blessing to you. And uh, hopefully this conversation has been a benefit to you. And um, man, even this last series that we've been in here, enjoy. Uh, so let us know if you've got a takeaway from the series there in the comments. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe for future videos, and hit the bell so you get notifications. Maybe share it with a friend if it's been a helpful conversation as well. Thanks for taking the time. You got it. Appreciate Thanks for having it. me. Yeah, that's all we've got for this week of Tangible Takeaways. That's all we've got for 2023 of Tangible Takeaways. We, or, or 2022. 2022. <laughs> we'll be back in 2023. We're going to take a break for the holidays. We hope you enjoy that time with family, and uh, we'll catch you guys in the new year. See ya.